0: So the more you find space for people to actually talk and have a relaxed conversation keep very open and sometimes even having a direct feedback that is not nice really open up our mind and removes most of the barriers all the other barriers are super management from a management point of view you can reset the teams in some other way but if you help the people to self-organize to achieve the goal that starts to be really amazing. Of course, not all the companies are much initially to get there, but as soon as you are able to tell the people, those are our goals, please self-organize in the best way you think you can move those goals on, they are going to surprise you.
1: Welcome to Dreams with Deadlines, a podcast by quantif We talk about bringing strategy, teams, and data together to drive better business outcomes. I'm your host, Jenny Harold. From earliest startup stage to coveted unicorn status, few people have had more of a front row seat on helping grow businesses than my guest on this episode of Dreams with Deadlines. Luca Cipriani, head of architecture and OKR coach at Jimdo, knows intimately the strategic elements that make scaling ventures fly or fail. And he's sharing his rules of the road with us in this fascinating conversation. Here are a few of the things we talked about. Why success starts with staying nimble and building psychological safety into the core company blueprint. How integrating OKRs into processes from the outset ensures they are foundational at every stage of execution what the goal should be in building a framework for your startup journey. Why it's important not to tie key initiatives too closely to key results. Which ingredients successful startup cultures tend to share in common. What constitute the most predictable barriers to building a healthy workplace and how to head them off at the pass. And finally, we wrap up with Luca's thoughts on the importance of keeping OKR simple, and giving teams the room to evolve, experiment, iterate, and surprise. Our guest also answers my quickfire questions in quickfire succession. Let's jump in. I am so stoked because today I have Luca with me on the show. He is the head of architecture, engineering manager, and OKR coach at Jimdo. He's helped grow businesses from startups to unicorns, which makes his story particularly interesting. We're going to talk about that today by integrating OKRs into their processes and making strategy execution a real thing. Welcome to the show, Luca. It's Hello great to have everyone.
0: you. everyone. It's a pleasure for me as well.
1: Okay, we're going to get started. We're not going to name names of these startups, but let's start with the journey. Because this is interesting. When you meet these companies, where are they at in terms of what stage of company we're talking about here? Do they have product market fit? People often ask, like, when's a good time to start using OKRs and think about strategy more concretely Yeah, quite early
0: in the journey is a bit simpler. So usually some of those companies started as startups, so even not completely finding the product market fit. And then they scale up. And some of those scale up dramatically exactly because they are able to make more focus. And of course, the strategy changes a little when it comes to OKR implementation, but in general, I would say as a company strategy, no, very early in the journey you try to optimize your learning, you try to iterate a bit more and understand how everything goes and also you optimize for experimentation while later on, as soon as you scale up, you have different problems. It can be scaling your team, your infrastructure, your product, if you already reach product market fit. So the the kind of problems change as well as the solution accordingly.
1: So let's talk about the very early stages when you're pre-product market fit, right? How do OKRs work then? What are you trying to do or accomplish using OKRs? Yeah, the
0: best thing that I try to accomplish when you are very early in the stage is at first to create some strong alignment within, even if the team is extremely small, uh, initially it's very easy to lose a bit of focus because you are trying to move into different directions. So usually I try to be a bit more, let's say, generic in a way while having super clear what the long term strategy is and I try to put a system also to measure as much as possible whatever you can, like having some strong KPIs. So even if the objective by itself can be a bit more loose in a way, now taking it easy without introducing too much overload on thinking, especially for young founders. It's important to start measuring things and try to Put some signs into our choices and be rational because also the other risk that I see sometimes with funders is that can be a bit emotional. Maybe they want to close a deal. Maybe they want, they definitely want that investment from either a VC or an angel. And sometimes they are tempted to take some shortcut while if they have an important and clear way to measure things, it, to take those decisions is a lot simpler. So I try to at first implement a good framework to start measuring our decision and start to understand what success means for each of our goals.
1: Can you give us an example without giving away too much of just very much this idea where it is easy to think in the early stages, oh my gosh, there's a customer that potentially wants to buy our product. This is amazing. Or this investor whether it's angel or one of the vcs is really looking at us we should definitely look at the term sheet and sign and all this stuff there's you want to survive yeah if you can give us a story in the early stages of thinking about this framework and utilizing it to make more rational appropriate decisions that are intentional right Rather than Yeah, it.
0: in those cases, sometimes advance balance uh, the quantity with the quality of what we are trying to achieve. So let's say that even in the early stage can be one of our goals is getting founded to ha- then have the first big chunk of our product ready. That can be, I say, very loose and generic, but still inspirational objective. On the other side, you want to measure what means this success. So how can you make this thing sustainable and maybe you already know for some reason that you are looking for investors but maybe not your goal is to make it sustainable so i would enforce the how within your objective and not even within your kpis but more like the why you are trying to do so in this case the kind of care results that care result can be something like at least speaking with x amount of people and gather why number of feedback that are positive or, I don't know, having something like 80% of the people I speak with, give me a strong feedback that they will likely buy these products. So those are clear, like key mm-hmm. results, examples that are not telling you how to make it sustainable, but gathering more insight about your product, because with OKR one of the biggest mistakes especially for very early startup is to immediately mandate how they want to solve uh, a problem without letting know the team figuring out what could be the best solution why i'm telling this because i found that very often fortunately the best ideas, so the ones that work better were the one that people didn't talk about initially so they are coming in after a couple of conversation, after a couple of trying, after having proper collaboration and not because someone already said so in a meeting very early in the stage. So the right things to do usually come up a bit later in the journey.
1: So you're an advocate for you're gonna improve even how you use OKRs or define them over time. Don't give up too early is what I'm hearing from that.
0: Definitely, OKR is is a learning process and the more you practice it, the more you learn from it. It's really like that. It's not something that is perfect by definition. There is not even a definition of like perfect OKR, even if there are some good guidelines and they continuously adapt and they adapt as much as your organization Grows and changes as well. And that's why OKR are so flexible and not very rigid in their definition. So I've seen as I said initially maybe you have even objectives that are very flexible to in, in sense of strategic view. They can be even a bit more long term. On the other side I see more structured startups that do them every single quarter they are used eventually to even have some sort of cascading OKR. I'm not a big fan of, about cascading OKR for this kind of startup or scale ups, but yeah, it's a learning process. And one important thing about OKR that I think is uh, not very popular yet, but for me is really the key is that it's not too much important about defining the OKR, but it's more like about reflecting on them when something goes wrong or when you see that your care results are not reaching your goal. So that's the really important part of the PR is the reflection around them and see how you can even change eventually your strategy or your plans or your projects, or your initiatives to reach those goals no matter what, or better, let's say, no matter what, apart from your health metrics, but that's another big topic.
1: Well, let's talk about the first part of that then, which is the reflection. When you work with founders or teams, no matter the stage, on really thinking about what had happened and why, and then rolling those learnings into the next period, what are some of the practices that you do with these teams that you found to work? Yeah, the
0: best thing that works is not delaying this conversation and doing that, I don't know, every quarter, but doing it every single week or maybe every other week at most, because that really helps you change how you are achieving your key results. And of course, that also changed, let's imagine an OKR cycle that is, I don't know, four months, no? something like that, or three months even. If you have a check-in and you reflect about your KRs and your key results, especially, initially, of course, maybe you just started a new project so you can see the key results are moving slowly. And that's totally fine. That's why I also use a confidence level other than a progress metric when you check your key results. On the other side, if nothing moves for a couple of weeks and everything is still like, we are not so confident about it. We didn't move the needle too much. Then is where the real conversation starts to happen and you can really figure out if what you are doing is the right thing to do to move that key result, or maybe you have to completely rethink your projects and initiatives and say, look, those are going nowhere. And we are mature enough to say, just stop these activities, find something new, try to be as creative as possible to still move that needle for the specific key results. And that works most of the time. But if you delay that and you do only, I don't know, once a month or every two months, it's too late. You discover things, you discover that you didn't reach the goal, but it, there is no time to recover usually, and you lose an entire cycle.
1: I mean, that makes a lot of practical sense. What if you are working on something though, and you've never done that thing before, but we're putting measures against them. Okay, our methodology is very outcome oriented right? Like what are the results we want? A lot of people talk about outcomes over outputs or even inputs. What's your approach to thinking through this when there is no baseline? You don't know what the result is going to be because you've never done it before, but you hope that it's going to happen. How do you approach that? Yeah, there are
0: uh, first a couple of prerequisites. So if you don't have already a clear North Star for your company a vision and a strategy. Actually, starting using OKRs is even <laughs> can be a big risk for your company because OKRs accelerate everything that you are doing. So if you are doing something wrong, then they just accelerate <laughs> these mistakes and issues. But if they, you do anything good, then it's going to be amazing. On the other side, one of the, the OKRs are so flexible that you can even say, okay, one of our first OKRs is to figure out how to measure things. Which is completely legit because it can be one of your prerequisites to start measuring the proper thing and to start experimenting or if sometimes i say you can take it a bit more numerical so you want to run x experiments that's totally fine as a key result no you want to run x experiment and learn from them and have a clear report around them so you can use okr in a what I call like a meta way so you can use OKR to actually start getting started with OKRs and I see also many companies especially very early in the stage where the first OKR they said is getting started with OKRs for really within our organization that's a good way to get used to them
1: okay we've talked about now the early stage peeps let's talk about the part where the levers of growth or you, you know that people want whatever it is that you're selling. And now it's really about putting fuel on it so that you can scale this. How, does, how do things change for the leaders that are managing those organizations and what are they doing differently so that they can maintain the focus of their companies in service of their North Star, in service of that vision, the strategies that you're talking about?
0: Yeah, what I see in many startups that start to scale up dramatically is that they try to tend to have too many things on their, let's say, business board. So portfolio management is also important. And then what really changes is that because the organization is growing, you can't have an approach that is either only bottom up or top to bottom. So I start setting up usually collaboration in a way where you have some top to bottom ideas, very strong, and maybe the board decide the objective. But then the KPIs are created collaboratively between all the teams. So they make proposal. They start gathering off their KPIs and they make a couple of proposals back to the business board. And then it starts a a conversation between those words and that's why they middle management plays also a very interesting role in this conversation. Until then, we have a filtering of the best results proposal, and then you start executing. But The important part about this is that you don't want each of the team to only think about their own scope, but you want the whole company removing any kind of barrier. There are some companies that are like divided in silos, functional ways, whatever. And you just say, whoever of you can propose something. And this is super refreshing because people feel motivated. They feel they can contribute. And if they even see their result that popping up in the company strategy execution plan, they will be the most motivated one. And that's amazing because you remove all the barriers and you start having collaboration across different departments. Just because the key results is clear, and again, you don't want to specify how it's going to be figured out by all the teams together. And of course, it can be that some specific key results can be moved ahead a bit more, I don't know, from the marketing department or sales or engineering, whatever. But the important thing is that you don't connect directly key results with specific initiatives.
1: You don't tie
0: key results to specific
1: initiatives. Let's talk about that because most people are like, okay, so senior leadership is defined the strategy. Here's what senior leadership thinks OKR should be. The teams are thinking about what they're going to do and how they're going to kind of align to those ideas. And then there's a bunch of work that needs to be done, the execution. Can you explain more what you're thinking in terms of don't tie specific initiatives to key results? Yeah.
0: So ideally, what is like our dream to move those key results? with doing as less work mm-hmm. as possible, no? So that's our goal and still moving the needle. So tying it directly to some specific initiatives could be risky, because the risk is that you keep busy people, but you actually don't move that needle that much. So what I prefer is to start maybe some initiative that you have in mind, some projects, and they say every one, two weeks, try to see if they have effects. But if they don't, just feel free to declare, okay, that project, or that initiative is not working after, I don't know, maybe even one month, it depends from the project itself, how fast you expect some results. But if they are not moving anything, it's totally legit to say, this is not working, please give us more ideas. And the fact they are not directly tied is important because it opens your mind to creativity and say, maybe there are other ways of doing so. I can even make some example about that. But I think like a company, one of those companies were looking for gathering more leads and they had a ton of work on the marketing side and people saying, oh, we should have more campaign, we should spend more money on advertising and everything. And then one of the engineers said, oh, look, last time I remember that I went to some local meetup and I had some good leads and they say, oh, that's interesting. Let's try it out with a very small budget they sent two engineers in many meetups and they got four times the leads that the marketing team was able to do with less than one-tenth of the budget. Just because it was something not explored, they didn't think about and was coming from engineering departments. So it wasn't sale, it wasn't marketing. Completely different one. And that was extremely successful. So that's really where creativity comes into play.
1: Let's take some more examples. Let's talk about some more success stories, if you will, of kind of unconventional wins that happened as a result of not tying specific initiatives to key results. This is interesting because I think a lot of people tend to back into their backlogs right? They have a backlog and they're like, well, what results will we get if we did these things? And what you're proposing is let's think about what we really want, which is more leads. And whoever has an idea of how to get more leads, let's try those things for a limited amount of time and constrain that and see if it'll manifest. So can you dish out some more examples? Yeah,
0: there are other examples. Another one is like a company wanted to reduce their cost of goods, especially when it comes to service providers and these costs were significantly. So this company is a, a mid large size one. And they started looking into the vendors that they have and trying to remove initially the number of suspenders one by one, but that wasn't very effective. Then some other people within the company <coughs> said, Oh, look, what happens if we start centralizing some of our service to one specific vendor that on paper even cost uh, more? So if you look at their pricing page or standard pricing, they seem really super expensive. But then they say, what we go back to them and start asking if we centralize everything and try to get a discount. Like that was completely out of of the door right now so those people made a proposal and actually went to that vendor started to involve also the marketing team saying oh we not only eventually are going to commit with you for one year maybe we can make it like two three years maybe maybe we can do together some marketing activities and we say that we are with you as a vendor and this company say, oh, that's amazing. We always wanted to work with you, but we we're never able to. And they got a 70% discount of the price from off the shelf. And this was like, okay, stop working on every other very small optimization, start having this call and go ahead. And this is now happening. So this company is saving millions a year, thanks to just thinking a little more out of the box. And because the goal was reduced the cost of goods. It wasn't like, I don't know, remove uh, 15 different software as a service that we are using.
1: Oh, wow. That is awesome. Millions of dollars saved because they thought outside of the box, as people say, okay, we've been talking about a lot of positive stories. Let's talk about the other part where things just go sideways and off the rails. Because that's something I think people really want to know about and learn from in working with the companies that you've worked with thus far, can you talk about some stories where it maybe it ended up okay in the end but somewhere in the middle it was not good and you you saw reasons why and you were able to learn with them what was going on. Let's talk through some of those. yeah
0: sometimes um, I've seen companies I said maybe having even the ceo or the founder try to thinking that doing too many things at the same time was a good idea was actually for them the best idea to move forward and achieve more and actually i perfectly knew it was like the opposite and this kind of conversation starts to be very hard also because very often that lands to have a Uh, different expectation between the team and a lot of friction so team feel extremely stressed out because they see a huge uh, backlog of things to be done they usually are even sometimes understaffed and they feel pressure for no good reason and they also feel slow and they know they are slow so sometimes like the upper management say, oh, why everything is slow, is maybe our teams are not able to deliver well. <laughs> and this is, of course, not super nice. And it's one of the example examples of failure. Another one is that some people directly call me and say, oh, we want to try solution X. Like, I don't know, we want to use any agile framework whatsoever, or we want to start using OKRs immediately. And I start with my question like, but do you already have a strategy in place? Do you already have a company vision? Do you have core values for your companies? Because if you don't, and some people also tried already that way, they make really huge mistakes because they work in a direction that at the end of the day is every three months or every time they implemented that OKR cycle is moving in a different direction. And then people will start leaving the company they are confused, they don't see huge progress in the long term, but they only see, let's reach the goal in the short term. And even more often, it happens that someone said OKRs, but the teams feels they have to reach them at all costs, even neglecting their core values or without having any health metrics. So I've seen companies that, for the sake of having more users in their platform, they started doing things about not being compliant with some GDPR rules or like selling <laughs> their, the data of their customer, like really horrible things because they only felt the pressure but there was no control boundaries within the company. And that's super risky because you risk to completely destroy your company or your organization more in general due to not setting rail guards.
1: So I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Maybe you'll appreciate this. Have you ever watched the movie Monsters, Inc.? I'm a big Pixar fan.
0: Yeah, a a while ago, but yes.
1: Right? Okay. And so here we have a CEO that is extracting screams from children. Sorry for folks that haven't watched the movie. And if you plan to, you can just pause now (laughs) and fast forward a bit. The CEO, right, is at any cost, and he has some folks that are feeling the pressure to maintain energy for Monstropolis or whatever. Yeah. And this idea of pressure is exemplified in such a, I don't know, a very beautiful, fun way, but it's, I think it feels very emblematic of what we see sometimes in the workplace where we're extracting value at any cost. We're doing it somewhat through fear or maybe exploitation in some ways versus enabling value in a different way, where the turn of the movie is they find out that extracting joy and laughter from children is X times more valuable and effective than the screams. And I find... At the end, thinking about how everybody can work better, firstly, that it can invest in things that actually work because it's measured and that work for everyone, the customer, the business leaders, the teams that are involved. And you have this weird story where this one guy and another really slimy character wanted to get rich or reach their goal above everything else and how destructive that is. Yeah. And I think that's what you're talking about,
0: right yeah, there is also another great movie on this topic, which is a project ma- management more in general management movie, which is the Lego movie and even if you remember the Lego if you movie look at them even if the work at the end, there are those micromanagers that are like mm. glue putting glue on people, like they are completely blocked that's exactly what micromanagement does no <laughs> like you are preventing people. <laughs> to be free and to actually contribute. So those, yeah, those two stories about this movie being seen as from a manager's perspective, they totally make sense. So creativity is a great value, but also is the way, a a strong way to keep people motivated. And not just because they are working on something they love, but they also can see the impact of their work on our society, which is also very important. They can master new skills, which is again, something they see and they feel autonomous. Now, so of course, now I, I'm mentioning uh, the, uh, a book, but um, yeah, it speaks about mastery, purpose, and autonomy, which is really the, the things-
1: You're talking about Daniel, Daniel Pink's book. Is. Yeah. And that's
0: exactly what motivates does, And I think OKRs perfectly coordinate with this and, Because I said, it's not specified enough to be flexible. And of course, flexibility needs mastery. But if you do it properly, they are a great leverage to your team.
1: Let's talk about then the other attributes that are necessary for this kind of way of working. We're prescribing a different way of working, right? I feel like a majority of the environment out there is very still quite project oriented, you know, it for better or worse, many organizations tend to be feature factories. They tend to be more waterfall in nature or what some people have dubbed. I've heard corporate agile, right? We're talking about a very different way of working and sure. Having a mission, vision, strategy, values are core to this conversation. Let's talk about culture. Because I think what you're also talking about is you need to have a certain type of culture for this to be okay. Because for most people, if you don't hit your targets, there are ramifications to that. And people are accustomed to hitting KPIs because like, their job depends on it what kind of cultures are you working with and they're going to be varied but what are common attributes of the companies that you've seen that are successful in this that are unicorns that are really making it happen and are healthy along the journey
0: yeah usually are the one that they feel any kind of problem you give them as a company one and not as our team has to solve x like it's more The company has this issue. This is the most important thing that we have to do in the next four months. And then we can all cooperate towards it. And of course, maybe sometimes you don't involve everyone, but at least everyone feels they can contribute in some way. So that's one of the biggest difference. And of course, also the larger the company, the more complex this becomes. And that's why most of the biggest company still work in a way that is a network of different sub-companies to some extent. Because I think there is some kind of a limit around, let's see, at least from my personal experience, around 500, 600 people where you start to have completely different dynamics. And splitting the companies in even more sub-companies could be a good idea. But definitely within an organization. Removing such barriers is one of the biggest advancements that they see uh, when companies move from being a startup maybe to a like unicorn and start to be extremely successful. They remove most of the barriers. That means, yes, a cultural change. And also it requires that the staff you have, the team you are working with, they just don't feel autonomous, but they are also able to do their work autonomously. And if you have, I don't know, only super junior people with no experience, that's gonna be extremely tough. So you need the right balance between very senior people that can help and know what they are doing perfectly and they feel the autonomy and they can also grow more junior people into being independent. So too much delegation in a too early stage, if your team isn't mature enough, can also be detrimental. To your strategy execution because you're managing you're gonna manage different people in a different way based on their seniority i would say but not seniority in terms of years they are in the field but more like in how they are able to autonomously go ahead with any specific goal you give them so those are good signs having strong teams is as important as giving them a clear goal
1: I couldn't agree more. I think it's interesting that you led with this unity of purpose. Like that is the thing that you led with and ending with, we need to make sure that our teams are properly supported so that they can get the job done. But that means we need the right mix of personnel so that you're not overly stressed because you realize you may not have the skills or the experience to do something and can work with more senior professionals, colleagues to help you. Like, I think that's a sign of a good culture is where someone can raise their hand and say, I need help.
0: Yes, of course, like psychological safety is extremely important also in this case. So people should be free to contribute, but also be free to say, this is failing. And it's fine because it's just business. We are trying things out until we found the best one working. And failure in OKR is managed. So you can risk, you know how much you are going to risk and you know what the impact of something not happening is. And in terms of alignment, as you said, and on the purpose, I'm a strong advocate of what also Christina Vodke, now one of the our <laughs> best uh, OKR coach in the world said, which is like the perfect number of objectives to have is one. One. Yeah, just one. One. And that's really what I usually do with most of the startups, because initially they want to set yeah. three, four, five. No, yes, you know what's really important for One.
1: And that's not to say that you don't work on the other like things that keep the business going. It's Because I think that's a common mis- misconception too. It's like, well, let's just stop everything and focus on the one thing. And it's, no, you still have to run a business. <laughs> no, they shouldn't. To- <laughs> you can't just drop everything. That doesn't work either. You got to run it and you got to also change the business, which is what OKRs are meant to do. We're going to end with one more question than like this period. And we're going to ta- go through this quick fire stuff. Last question, you mentioned barriers, and I like this imagery from the Lego movie of the glue, and that's a barrier when someone is telling you literally what to do, and micromanagement, I would imagine, is probably a strong barrier to getting that creativity that we talked about earlier. Let's talk about the barriers. What do managers or should managers and leaders be conscious of as they're working toward building these healthy cultures and building effective teams, because that's what we want. So how can they be thinking about it, removing those barriers? Because that's the paradox. As you grow, you need to think about subtraction. Let's talk about this.
0: Yeah, one of the things is for intellectual company, most of the work is done by people, and we are human beings. And what could prevent us, what could create barriers is either lack of communication, which is extremely important, or bad behavior. So at first, let's say, let's remove (laughs) or (laughs) avoid toxic people because those people create barriers. So some people can change, so you can guide them. Some others can't. So in that case, it's best to not have toxic people in general in your team. But, more importantly, I we have a very transparent and honest conversation. because I say, we can be rational, but also emotionally involved in our daily life. But if we feel free to speak about problems, we know eventually how to adjust them, what is the risk for the company, then we free up our mind and we say, maybe I can start collaborating with the other team. And we thought that we were enemies. And then I figure out that most of the time, people just had their idea in mind. Sometimes this happens for remote companies where you have one office in one country and one office in another country. And I've seen people say, oh, the people in the other country are not collaborating. That's usually not the case, but they just think about it. And this idea is keeps being reinforced by local um, communities sometimes of people that just hear rumors and figure out things that actually don't exist. So the more you find space for people to actually talk and have a relaxed conversation, keep very open and sometimes even having, yeah, a direct feedback that is not nice really open up our mind and removes most of the barriers. All the other barriers, our super management from a management point of view, you can reset the teams in some other way. But if you help the people to self-organize to achieve the goal, that starts to be really amazing. Of course, not all the companies are much more initially to get there. But as soon as you are able to tell the people, those are our goals, please self-organize in the best way you think you can move those goals on, they are going to surprise you.
1: Let's get surprised, Luca. Let's continue to get surprised for sure. All right. Quickfire question time. The name of my podcast is Dreams with Deadlines. What's your dream with a deadline?
0: To have less things to do to make them faster.
1: Have less things to do and make them faster. Excellent. Second question. You're now an OKR coach, but you also are head of architecture. You've been an engineering manager for some time. What are some of the management techniques that you believe have really helped your teams excel? Like practices that you have thought through and work with your teams on?
0: I think that having a great attention to details and quality more in general, whatever can mean for your specific organization played a dramatic role into introducing any kind of change, whatever the change is. So being open with the mind and helping people figuring out that raising the bar of quality all the time dramatically helps you whenever you want to change anything, because you know that changing doesn't break too much.
1: And then last question. You work with a lot of teams incorporating OKRs, startups out there, scale-ups, dream of being the unicorn what advice do you have to give them about how to get there like how to remain focused on the prize so to speak
0: communicate more with everyone in the company about what you actually want from them because so too much of them people have expectation in their mind but they don't communicate properly to everyone and then whenever they get something back it's not meeting their expectation because they didn't properly clearly state what their expectations were.
1: I think that's sage advice. Thank you so much for being on the show, Luca. This has been really fun actually. I hope you enjoyed being on the show. I've definitely enjoyed our conversation.
0: Same. That's amazing. Thanks.
1: That's it for this episode. Dreams with Deadlines is produced by Quantive. You can find show notes and transcripts on our website, quantive.com slash resources slash podcasts. If you have a specific question, Email us at dreamswithdeadlines at quantum.com and your question might be answered on the show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.